Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, I can hear you. Are you good? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. How's the baby doing? Oh my gosh, she's so good. She she seriously is such an angel baby. I oh. my husband and I feel so blessed because she is just such a such a easy to please little person. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I like that age. <laughs> I miss my son at that age. <laughs> it really is so much fun. I feel like as soon as she turned three months old, it was like a light switch. She literally mm-hmm. just. Oh, they just come to life at that age. It's so much fun. <laughs> because now they're like, they're realizing their surroundings and everything like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's starting to grab on to stuff and, you know, it's just fun. Oh, oh that's so good. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> is going good? Uh, sorry, what did you say you broke up? Otherwise, your day is going good. Oh, yeah, it's going really well. Um, oh, it's kind of balmy here in Pittsburgh yeah. today, kind of muggy mm-hmm. and wet, but mm-hmm. it's still a gorgeous day, so I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty hot out here today. It's, it's not, like, too muggy around here, but it's, like, the humidity is pretty, mm-hmm. you know, pretty good up here today. <laughs> uh, did you say you're in New Jersey? Yes. Okay. So yeah, you can probably cut it, cut it with a knife today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's very warm. <laughs> so I've Same. been uh, staying in the shade and uh, make you just stay cool and uh, drink plenty of water, stay hydrated. <laughs> That's a good way of going about things. I don't blame yeah. you. Stay out of the sun. <laughs> I, yes. Right about now, yes. Staying out of the sun. Not after the last few times I went out in the sun and had a rash and whatnot. So <laughs> staying yeah, out of the sun this well time. it never for me either. Some people are like, oh, I could live in Las Vegas where it suns, you know, the sun is out 24-7. And I'm like, know, it would literally I, kill me. <laughs> I know, for real. And I'm like, how do people do it in Las Vegas? California, Texas, any of those areas where it is like full of sun every day, all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, no, I couldn't. mm -mm. I need my, I need my breaks of coolness and rain and and cold. (laughs) I need my season change. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise we would just wilt like a flower that has no water. (laughs) For real. I I am not built for that type of weather. No. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm going to h- go ahead and get our show started for today. Okay. All right. So hello, everyone that may be listening today. That was quite an intro that me and my guest Pamela had <laughs> just talking <laughs> about our day. But we're going to get our show started. Um, my name is Chili. This is Living in the Loopy Life by Chili. And today's show, we will be talking about um, our journeys and um, how we've been going through with our journeys with chronic illness illnesses, lupus, you know, just things like that as we, you know, go and live our daily lives and how do we manage everything and what has helped, what hasn't helped, and just uh, spreading knowledge and awareness. So thank you so much, Pamela, for joining me on my show. Am I saying your name right? 
correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I really appreciate it. Yes. I'm so, I'm so glad that, you know, uh, I was able to connect with you uh, from your friend, Melissa, uh, which I met through another friend of mine. So that was really awesome, you know, connecting with each other and, uh, you know, people that we know in order for us to connect. So that's a really good thing. And that's one thing I love about social media is you get to meet so many people and you connect in so many different ways that, you know, sometimes you don't always get to do on a daily basis. Oh yeah, for sure. It seems like the older I get, the more I realize that we're all really just one degree of separation from each other. Even though we live a couple states away, we're still so closely connected. And Mm -hmm. that's just, like you said, it's just such a, such a wonderful world in which we live in just to be so connected with people that live hours away. Mm -hmm. I I, I really enjoyed it. I think I have made some, like, um, some really good friends from off of social media just because of, you know, connecting on so many different levels, especially with the whole aspect of um, me having lupus and, you know, Mm -hmm. just uh, with my podcast, uh, talking with people and getting to know people and, you know, having people join me on my podcast and, you know, the avenue that it has made for me to, you know, get to know people, connect with people. And I've made some really awesome um, friendships. So I'm really happy about that. So um, before I keep going on, Pamela, if you can go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction of yourself and um, a little bit uh intro to your journey with lupus. All right. So I will try to make this (laughs) as short as I can. (laughs) Um, But if any point you think, okay, she's just going on too long, cut to the chase. You just let me know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But I I feel, (laughs) yeah, I feel like I've shared this so many times though. I have an abbreviated version. So, Mm -hmm. um, well, I am 31 years young. I am a wife and a mother. My husband and I have been together for 10 years, but we just celebrated our six-year wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And we have a little, almost four-month-old daughter, Isla. And we have two adorable cats that we also share uh, our life with, Olive and mm-hmm. Frank. They definitely keep things very interesting. <laughs> So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where we live. We live in the North Hills. So it's a suburb of the city. So we're about 20 minutes away from downtown. Uh, My husband and I met in college. And that's actually where my chronic illness journey took off. I Mm. was sick all the time. And even as a Mm. kid, I was always, I just never felt fully rested. I always felt kind of weak as if Mm, I didn't as if I didn't have the same amount of energy as everybody else but I to me that was normal I just lived Mm -hmm. my life normally because that's all I knew and then when I got to college my husband who was my boyfriend at the time kept saying Mm -hmm. to me I've noticed that you just feel sick all the time you just seem like you're you don't sleep well, you don't get enough rest, you have 
these weird rashes. You always have stomach problems. You've got Mm -hmm. this and that. And, you know, at some point I said, I don't know. I just, this is how it's always been. And he had said a couple times to me throughout the years that we were dating, I really think that you should go talk to a doctor about this because I genuinely think that there's something wrong. So I went to the doctor for stomach issues, which were completely unrelated to this. I think that that had to do with depression and anxiety, but I went to the doctor for that. And then Mm -hmm. uh, they just seemed to put me on kind of like, you know, really didn't go past depression and anxiety when it came to talking to the doctor. So I cleared up my stomach issues and life seemed to be getting a lot better. We got married in 2015. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. were traveling. We were building our, our life together. And all of a sudden in the, I believe it was the winter of 2016, my husband and I had a trip scheduled to Iceland And the week before we were supposed to leave, I felt really sick. I had never been this sick in all Mm -hmm. my life. I was laying in bed, sobbing, saying, I don't, I'm, I'm fed up. I don't know what's wrong with me because it had just kept getting worse. It was like a snowball effect. So Mm -hmm. I go to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, this sounds like mono. So we'll test you for mono. But if you've had mono, it will come back positive, not in every case, but in most cases, if you've had mono in the past, it'll come, Mm -hmm. the test will come back positive. So my test came back positive and the doctor said, you know, just go home and rest. You'll be fine. So Mm -hmm. I went to Iceland. We had a good time. I suffered Mm -hmm. through (laughs) jet lag and dealing with a chronic illness and not knowing I had one. Wow. And we had a great trip. We come mm-hmm. back. A couple of months go by, and I still don't feel better. I'm doing everything mm-hmm. in my power to feel better. Yeah. We come back. I'm still sick. I go back to the same doctor, and he treats me like utter garbage. He really? actually snapped oh, wow. at me. Yeah. yeah, he snapped at me. He said, I told you you have mono. All you have to do is rest. It, you got to give it time. So another, a couple weeks go by and then I decide to see a different doctor, but at the same mm-hmm. practice, okay. that doctor said, okay, I'm going to test you for everything under the sun and we'll see what, what happens. Okay. So a day later, my results come in mm-hmm. from my blood work and my ANA levels were as high as they possibly could be. Wow. And if your ANA levels are high, that doesn't necessarily mean you have yeah. a chronic illness, but mm-hmm. it could be indicative of it as well. So mm-hmm. they referred me to a rheumatologist who is same as Dr. Gold. He is one of the most wonderful human beings that has ever existed. <laughs> and I am so incredibly thankful for this man. He, <laughs> he took the, I went to an appointment with him. And it honestly changed my life because he was Mm. a rheumatologist, a doctor that would listen to me that did all these different tests. He said, okay, it sounds like you have lupus, but we're going to do all these different tests and, you know, find out what it is. Mm -hmm. So 
I was finally diagnosed in 2017 with undifferentiated connective tissue disease, which is okay. basically latent lupus. So mm-hmm. I'm on Plaquenil, uh, but I don't have full-blown lupus. So I have a lot of okay. the same, I have a lot of the same symptoms mm-hmm. uh, as people with lupus. So I get lupus, the rash, but, mm-hmm. I get, yeah, I get the joint pain and all the other things that go with it. Yeah. But the, uh-huh. the biggest difference is I don't have at the moment a lot of the organ issues. Okay. Um, so at some point in the future, it could completely develop, mm-hmm. but we're keeping it at bay at the moment. So, mm-hmm. and just keeping a watch on it, just, you know, monitoring. Yeah. So okay. I was diagnosed in 2017 and I started Plaquenil right after I had my appointment with the rheumatologist. And I heard that you could do a bunch of different diets. I know some people that have lupus have tried the paleo diet. I tried Mm -hmm. that. It didn't work for me. I tried gluten-free. That didn't work for me. But eventually Mm. I just learned to, you know, if I, I only have a certain amount of energy a day, some people call Mm -hmm. it the Spoonie method. Mm -hmm. I only have a certain amount of energy a day. So if I want to say go spinning, that's, you know, that's taking up everything. Yeah. So I can't do yep. anything else that day or mm-hmm. yeah. So I've learned how to manage my time wisely. I know what to eat, what not to eat. Mm-hmm. So I think as time has gone by, I've just really learned my, you know, understand you're, my body more. Yep. That's what I was about to say. Just understanding mm-hmm. your what works for you and what doesn't and that pretty Mm -hmm. much is just the base of any chronic illness for lupus patients because so much we don't know what is going to affect our body you just literally have to know what is best for your own body and it Mm -hmm. literally is a I would say like an elimination process this is good this isn't good (laughs) <laughs> this works. Yeah. This doesn't work. It literally is like that. And it can and it can change. Sometimes, you know, what may have worked for the first several years may then not work for the next following years. But that's also a process of knowing your body and how your mm-hmm. body will change throughout time. Sometimes you can't re- predict change but it's always knowing your body and what works best for your body and that's really good Mm -hmm. that you found out what works best for your body well thank you yeah it's it's it makes you feel like a crazy person because it's never it's never consistent it's constantly changing and you don't know if something new that you try is going to just make you utterly destroy you yeah Yeah. And, and if you so haven't true. been, and if you haven't been through it, you just don't understand. And, and especially for people that you know have never had any kind of, say, long-term illness in their life, it's mm. it's maddening because a lot of doctors. I forget what the statistic is, but a lot of doctors will mark it off as something else, and they tend to just not listen to the patient 
when they're saying, Hey, something's wrong with me. I know my body. And you know, I'm part of that statistic. Somebody mm-hmm. told me that it was something other than what it was, but at the end of the day, you know, your body and I body think best. Yep. Yeah. The biggest thing that is helpful is just listening to it and making those mm-hmm. adjustments because it'll ultimately help you in the long run. But I think sometimes people aren't ready to make that kind of commitment. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think, I don't even think that people aren't ready. I think it's just the fact of the unknown because you just don't know how Mm -hmm. your body is going to react because now you want to, you want to try something different and you just don't know how your body is going to do because, Mm -hmm. because it's just so much that your body can say, oh no, I don't like how this is going. So <laughs> this ain't going to work. So I, I feel like that is more so like the whole plague of all, all of it is because people mm-hmm. are, are, I don't want to say afraid, but they're just hesitant. It's like, I want to do it, but I don't know because I don't, my body just acts so weird. Yeah, it's like, I want to try a good point. I want to try this because I heard that it's good and it's better for me to do, but I don't know how my body is going to react. I've seen people. It's like, I see people and they're on the right path and I want to be on the right path with them. But how will my body adjust to all of that? So I think that's what it is. Cause I, I can, I can honestly say that for me with with a lot of things of adjusting, you know, just everything in life because of your chronic illness, because of mm-hmm. lupus for me is because you just don't know. Like one year I was doing perfectly fine. And then it was like, out of nowhere, my body just decided, oh, it didn't like any of my medicines. It didn't like any of the food that I was eating. So mm-hmm. I had to literally stop taking medication, stop eating certain foods and like, kind of like try to figure out what my body will tolerate, what my stomach would tolerate. So it mm-hmm. was like, literally like that. It, and it was crazy. And I was like, what is going on in the beginning? I was like, I'm not doing anything different. I didn't <laughs> take anything. I'm now I'm not crazy. What is going on here? And she's like, it's just your body. It, it I, I can't, my doctor was like, I can't explain it, but your body just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't like what it's going through right now. So it, <laughs> you make a change. She was like, I know it's not funny. And I know you don't want to hear that. But she was like, try this. And literally I had to do like, I went through like a whole, what was it? I think it was like smoothie type of thing because my body wasn't tolerating like solids. It wasn't, I couldn't even eat bread. I couldn't eat meat because my body was like rejecting it. I was like, I was like super sick. Like the normal medicines that I was taking, my body was mm-hmm. like, nope, don't put this in my stomach. Like literally it would, like I'm it's supposed to sit there, you know, marinate in your body. <laughs> so, <laughs> it feel better. But it was like, nope, 
came right back up. And I was like, what is going on? Why am I feeling like this? And she's like, I don't know what to explain. And the GI doctor was like, there's nothing going on with your stomach. So I don't know what's going on. It like, I don't know. And I'm like, why doesn't anybody have the answers to any of this right now? It's like, it makes you feel like you're crazy, but you're oh, not. yeah. And it just makes your, <laughs> it just makes your mental health worse too. Yes. And then it and adds you, on so much stress. For sure. And it's, you just don't know. And I think the other thing too, is it's just like, you get so tired. You, mm-hmm. you want, you want consistency yeah. and it's, it's hard. I always say that it's when you first find out that you have a chronic illness, it's like you, you're going through a grieving process because oh, even, though definitely. even though you've been living this way, you have to come to terms now that it's almost cemented mm-hmm. now that it's like been driven into permanency that yeah it becomes it becomes real so you are really just mourning the life that I guess like the the dream or like the idea of the life mm-hmm. that you would yeah. want for yourself because now yeah, you have to find a new normal but mm-hmm. you're gonna constantly have to find a new normal so sometimes it's just exhausting and you don't want to keep fighting yeah. And that just causes your, if you have existing depression, it makes it worse. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you just deal with like this anxiety and depression because even though there are other people out there dealing with the same thing as you, like you said, your body is just so unique. Like all of us are unique. Mm-hmm. Like all of our minds and feelings and emotions and yep. creative ideas are unique. Our bodies are unique. So even mm-hmm. one autoimmune disease that somebody can label as, you know, lupus looks different from person For each to person. person. Yep. That is so true. And, and like you said, like you said, for you, it says that you have lupus and, you know, you have the joint pain and, you know, you have the rash, but as of right now, you don't have any of the organ issues. And for somebody that's the same age as you, uh, same ethnicity, you know, but that can look totally different for them. That, mm-hmm. that can be that they have lung issues where as they may not have the rash or they may not have the joint problems, they just have lung issues because of the lupus. Mm-hmm. They, so it, everybody, what, what is for one is always different for another. And it's so crazy how, you know, I, I think about it because, you know, the research that they that they do and they're like, well, it's going to work. And it's like, but you really don't know that because you haven't tested for every everyone. You may have tested for this certain amount of people, but everybody doesn't look like that. Everybody body doesn't work like that. My body may not work the same way as yours. My body mm-hmm. may not look the same way as yours. So how can you yeah. say that because you did just this amount of no, you need to you need to look outside the normal scope. I I, I really think that with with research in general for anything, it doesn't need to be based on just 
the normal, quote unquote, normal range of, you know, research, it needs to be something that's a little bit broader. Mm-hmm. For oh, for all- sure. It seems like a lot of research too has a great amount of disparity in it, as well mm-hmm. as bias. Um, mm-hmm. Before I, so part of the reason why I forgot to mention this, but I am a certified wellness coach and I also hold a certificate in nutrition and healthy living from Cornell. Okay. I, awesome. those Wonderful. two things, <laughs> thank you. So those two things are me completing those is the result of wanting to help other people with chronic illness mm-hmm. and to help them figure out what helps them and what works best for their body in their life. Mm-hmm. I wanted somebody to be a mentor for me whenever I was going through this, but I had to do it all on my own. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm side, I'm getting, I'm, I'm sidetracking myself. This happens sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's, that's one of the positive sides or one of, I guess you could say one of the sweet fruits that came out of having chronic illness is mm-hmm. my compassion and empathy for other people who are going through difficult circumstances And one of the things that I learned through my getting my certificate at Cornell is that a lot of studies are very biased. And a lot Mm. of times companies or even like the drug companies, the pharmaceutical companies will pay researchers to bend the truth or just not do it in the most effective way in order Mm. to get people to take the medicine. And that's not benefiting. And that's, and that's not just, that doesn't mean that, you know, they're always like that, but that can Mm. happen. And if you look at those studies, it's like you said, they need to one, not be doing it for commercial reasons and they mm-hmm. need to think about every single person that could possibly benefit from this, but they, but they don't. So I don't know. But if they that's don't. Because- and, it, and I, yeah. It, and I think it, that's mainly because of money because mm-hmm. everything is so driven by money. So if you only, if you're only researching this amount of people, then you don't have to worry about the masses and once mm-hmm. you start worrying about the masses, then that calculates into how much more money that we're, that they're going to spend, how much more more money has to go into looking into things. So I think that is a part of it all too, because mm-hmm. within the world that we're living in, you know, <laughs> it is money hungry. So mm-hmm. they're going to figure out shortcuts and ways to only do half the work rather than doing all of the work they they may seem like they're doing it all but they're really not so it's 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 so crazy yeah and And it 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 doesn't benefit it is sad it's in in money we live in a money hungry world and money just really truly does drive everything Mm -hmm. and it that doesn't benefit the 
that doesn't benefit the man or woman that can barely afford to feed their children because their medication is so expensive. So a lot of times people end up foregoing certain things that can damage their health in order to provide for their children. But Mm -hmm. that's the, that's the, the kicker there is it, everybody needs an equal, an equal shot at optimal health, but Mm -hmm. because it's, because it's not, profitable for somebody then you know they get pushed to the er, er, wayside yeah gets pushed to the wayside and now i now i'm saying i but now it i have to say well no i'm not going to take this medication because i can't afford it mm-hmm. and the possibility that I, I could die within the next few months and then that's more stress because then who am I going to leave my children to be looked after? And then who's going to pay for all these uh, funeral arrangements and different things like that. So then that is a whole nother aspect of, you know, looking at the mental state. It just has, it just plays a huge part in, in all of just a person's well-being their health their mental all of it their livelihood all of it and it, and it's like we have to we have to advocate for ourselves and advocate not just for ourselves but for the next person who can't advocate for themselves mm-hmm. and that's, that's a the lot one of thing. weight yeah it is right it's a lot to, it's a lot to worry about or stress about, or just to have to think about every single day. Yeah. It's to worry about what you can afford and what you can't afford because of your health. There are so many, so many aspects to it that I think the average healthy person doesn't realize. Mm -hmm. And then it's like they're, (laughs) <laughs> and it's not their fault, but it, yeah, then it's exactly. like you, you have to think about, you know, the people who do want to, I want to work. I want to provide for myself, my family, but it's like my body isn't letting me. So you have to be to, you have to be understanding to a point because some people are in predicaments where they want to do it but it's like their bodies are just not allowing them to. So it's like mm-hmm. the people who are the normal, healthy, working everyday type of people, you have to be more so understanding to look at it from a different point of view. And I think that's, that's, so, that's what's so wrong with, I can't say with people, but with the world in general. Is because we're mm-hmm. not looking at different aspects of everything. We're just looking at our own aspect and not looking at how how it it's going to affect or help someone else. Definitely, I because think that's a also, yeah. yeah, for sure. I think it's that that the worldview that frustrates me the most is. Well, I haven't been through it, so how how could somebody else possibly go through it? That's not mm. possible. 
Mm. But it's that that's the most frustrating worldview to me is when mm-hmm. people and that can be applied to anything, not just not just chronic illness or lupus. Mm-hmm. It's oh that worldview that you oh I just know so many people even like family members that they look at certain things and they say, Oh, well, I, I've never been through that. So how could possibly, how could somebody else possibly live that way? It's, it's a very, get through it without help. (laughs) And that's just so cruel. That's so cruel to me. Why don't you, why can't you just, you know, I, sometimes I just think to myself when I hear, you know, thought processes like that, I'm like, why Mm -hmm. don't you just for a second, try to think how somebody else feels. I I, I have to say, it's something that's, do you not, are you lacking compassion? Because then that's where it kind of boils down to, because then you're not compassionate as you think you are. You're only compassionate to the people that is your immediate family, but you're not compassionate Mm -hmm. towards everybody. And that's what, you know, being in this world, we, I think we ought to all be compassionate because everybody's life is different than ours. You know, sometimes some people do put themselves in predicaments that they shouldn't have but it's still at the end of the day, you still have to have compassion and still at some level be understanding and willing to, you know, want to guide them. If you don't want to give it to them, help guide them into the, the direction that they could possibly get the help that they need. Maybe you're not giving them the help, but guide them in that way of getting that help. And I think that's oh, yeah. where it all is lacking. I think everybody, one of the most basic needs in this life is we just want to be heard and mm-hmm. want to feel like somebody is at least listening to us. Yeah. But like I said, some people just don't want to listen. They think mm-hmm. that, you know, because, oh, cut out sugar. Cause I cut out sugar. I I'm fine. <laughs> like they like to apply certain things to your predicament. They're your like, predicament hey, because that's what they did. <laughs> just put some Windex on your knees and that'll take away the My joint Greek pain. One. Yes. That's exactly what I'm referring to. They'll say like, you know, just spray Windex on your knees and that'll help you with your inflammation. Like, no, I think it goes a little deeper than that. It goes a little further than that. And (laughs) you're so right. It's like, no, just because that's what you did, but you have to think, you have to look at yourself. Are you, are you in the same predicament that I'm in? Mm -hmm. We're both totally different. We are, we might be around the same age, but is my health, your health? Does my body look like your body? No. Is my genetic makeup the same as your genetic makeup? No. (laughs) Even, even if we did come from the same mother and father, I'm still Mm -hmm. different than you. My genes are still different than you. I look different than you. I, my emotions are different than yours. So it, what works for you doesn't work for me. What mm-hmm. what doesn't work for you may work for me. 
So we are totally different. And that's, that's another thing where people, they don't listen, they don't understand, and they don't have that compassion. And yeah, I think doctors, when it comes to mm. this stigma that a lot of doctors have, especially in the chronic illness mm-hmm. community, they, it, I think it actually comes back to money in a lot of cases because yeah. the hospitals or the doctor's offices are trying to see as many, as, pa- as many patients as possible. They're trying to get through all of these people. Time mm-hmm. is money. Money is time. Yeah. So they only so, have a, a certain amount of time and space and mental capacity to listen to your problems. So yeah, a lot that of people crazy. feel like they're just, yeah, they, a lot of people just feel like they're going through a machine and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure like the I'm doctors through, feel the stress through the, too. the conveyor belt. Beep, mm-hmm. on to the next, beep, on to the next item. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You you get what you get and then that's it. And like you said, it has to do with the money as well. And it's like, I think I was listening to my sister because my sister was working in the medical field. And she was like, doctors for certain things, they're only allotted a certain amount of space. So it's literally like 10 minutes to 15 minutes. But if I have ongoing medical health issues, I need more than 15 minutes. I might need a half hour to an hour appointment because I haven't seen my doctor in four months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially the specialist. I haven't seen you in four months because most specialists, they tell you not to come back until like three, three to four months, sometimes mm-hmm. six because they're booked up. So it's like, I need more than just 15 minutes to sit and talk with you because I've been holding out on reaching out to you because I've been feeling this and this and this, and I need to talk to you about it because I need to figure out what is our next step to work out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's these health systems and these, these corporations who are not allot- allotting these doctors to spend more time with their patients. That's exactly right. It's very true. And like, you said, like you said, it all it all boils down to money, and mm-hmm. that's the that's the root of it all. It <laughs> is. That's, that's the sad part about of it about it because I'm just a dollar amount to you, and I should be more than just a dollar amount. No, my life means more than just however however much money you think I'm worth. No. Mm-hmm. We're, we're worth way more than, than whatever amount of money we spend in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. That is very true. We are. And that's why it is up to us to spend all of what we can to make sure that we then live out what our life is worth. Mhm. You if feel you... like that, that's a... Yeah. Oh, sorry, there's a little bit of a lag on on my side, so oh. <laughs> keep interrupting. <laughs> it's okay. I apologize. No, no, it's me. I feel like I keep interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. 
Um, but it's just that, that humanity, it's, that's just one of those other things, like you were saying, it, you have to carry the weight of so much on your shoulder, you know, being an advocate for somebody else, trying to be an Mm -hmm. advocate for yourself, trying to be an advocate for your children through yourself, Mm -hmm. being an advocate for yourself. It's just, there's just so much that goes into it. And I think a lot of people feel disgruntled by all of it, which makes me sad because there is a missed opportunity for, you know, I feel like the medical, the medical industry could Mm -hmm. be helping more, but again yeah so (laughs) yeah and it's and it's and it's so sad that it's like once you get to that point and it's like you feel like you have nothing else to say because then what else more is there to say you say all you you do all you can and you say all you can but then it's like once you finally get to that point and knowing what the problem is is like Mm -hmm. how do I fix it how do we address it who do we talk to to then fix it and address it? And then it's like a long line of who to contact, who to talk to, <laughs> this person to talk to. It, it is just an ongoing thing because it's, it's, it's a systematic issue. Mm-hmm. It just feels defeating. Yeah, it does. And, and, and more so for the, the people like us who have, lupus or any other chronic illnesses and it's like it's just so much to think about and it's like you don't even want to think about it at the end of the day why why worry myself why stress myself because at some point I, I'm not going to be able to fix it and it's like mm-hmm. we'll get to that point of like you said you stop fighting you stop advocating you stop doing these things because of so much backlash and the 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 non-help mm-hmm. i've noticed so that out. yeah and i've Go noticed ahead. that a lot of times in conversations that i will mention it mention that i have this disease and it's mm-hmm. not because i'm trying to garner sympathy or attention it's yeah. that, you know, once you, here's a good example. Like once you become a mom, you mm-hmm. talk about your kids a lot. Or once you get married or once you're, you start college, high school, you talk a lot about what your stage of life that you're in. You're in. Mm-hmm. When it comes to chronic illness, you're in that stage chronically. <laughs> so chronically. Talking, <laughs> yeah. You're chronically in it. You're stuck in it. So you you bring it up. And in some cases, you just want to talk to somebody for them to hear you and say, you mm-hmm. know, I'm really going through a rough time. But I've noticed that as I get older, I bring it up or I apply things that I've learned through living with chronic illness to Mm -hmm. other parts of life, such as motherhood. Um, I was talking to somebody and they said, you know, it's kind of shocking how you have a child and you think that you have a grasp on stuff 
and then things completely change in uh, a month. And Mm. I am having an easier time with that because Mm. I'm so used to constant change. Mm. So I think that whenever, you know, we bring, bring up these, I think we should be more confident to, or at least feel more confident or more assured to bring up chronic illness and conversation because it is such a big issue, mm-hmm. but people don't want to talk about it. If you look at the mental health from even, you know, in the nineties, a lot yeah. of people were, were told and even in certain like different cultures, mental health is talking about it is considered taboo. I come from an Italian mm-hmm. background and you don't dare talk about mental health. Yeah. You, you keep you it kind of fight inside. through it. You, you keep it inside. Yeah. You deal with it. You, you fight through it. Yeah. I think advocacy is not just, you know, saying, you know, raising money and volunteering it's also Mm -hmm. everyday life letting other people know that you somebody that they know is going through this and there are other people out there going through it as well we all look different but we're all struggling and I hope that more people are confident to look at it from a unbiased perspective and Mm -hmm. look at it from a not just a physical health perspective but from a mental health one as well yeah because I just feel like it's best for us to bring it up more in conversation Mm -hmm. and then that helps it once you do start becoming confident in talking about it then it starts to be something that's not not so much something that's kind of like pushed off into the background, something that can be upfront. And, you know, it's something that everyone has heard of and I can possibly put you in touch with the right person to get you the help that you need. The more people that know about it, then that's great. Then that means the more people that are knowing about it, then that means the people are being confident, like you said, with talking about it. And like mm-hmm. you said, it then becomes more than just something that is raising money, uh, doing walks, or, you know, going to the summits, which are, you know, I'm not downplaying any of that, which are mm-hmm. great. They're wonderful things. But how does that apply to everyday life for the people who aren't at the top, who get to go to those summits, who are raising the thousands and millions of dollars? How does that help the smaller person that's way down at the bottom of the totem pole? So mm-hmm. it's about being confident and talking to whoever about what you're going through and how that looks like for your life. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I, I have it. And you're not going to make me feel bad because I do have it. I, mm-hmm. oh, I'm adjusting to my life and this is my life. You know, I didn't, you know, put myself in this predicament, you know, that that's the life that I was given. And I just want to, you know, talk with you about it. 
I just want mm -hmm. your opinion about maybe not so much opinion, but your thought or, you know, j you just saying, okay, I hear you just being someone that is just listening. Mm -hmm. For sure. I really like the, I saw this, I think on Instagram where one of the best questions that you can ask somebody when they need to talk to you is what do you need for me in this moment right now? So my mm -hmm. husband and I do this thing where he'll say, what do you need for me right now? And sometimes it may look like right now, I just need a hug or right now, I just want you to listen to me. I don't want your opinion. I just want you to listen to me. Or other times I want to say, I want you to listen to me and I need your help or I need your opinion. So I think for anybody listening, one of the best things that you can do when somebody is talking to you about chronic illness, it's not offering suggestions right away or automatically assuming that this person is trying to, is seeking out attention, but instead look at the interaction that you're having from a perspective of love and empathy and compassion and humanity and ask them, you know, what it is it, what is it that you need from me right now? What can I do to help you right now? Mm, that's really, that's really a, a good thing. You know, what do you need from me in this moment right now? And that, and that can, that can just, that question in itself can be so helpful because then somebody might need <laughs> you asking that person that question they might just need somebody somebody's shoulder to cry on <laughs> and you you just saying that just opened up the door for them to feel like they are like you said loved and you know being heard or listened to so I, I think that's really awesome I like that I really oh, sure, like that that's really one of the best things I've, I've seen because I'm, I'm super awkward. I'm socially awkward. Um, <laughs> You're a not lot the of, only when, yeah. Whenever I say that to people, they say, Oh, you seem so bubbly and energetic and, you know, so eager to chat. And I say, <laughs> well, the only reason why I'm eager to chat is because I don't know what to say. So I just talk. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime someone comes to me so when they come to me about something, I, mm -hmm. I, so say somebody lost a loved one. I never know what to say. And yeah. as soon as I saw that question, which was a couple of weeks ago, something just clicked for me. I thought, wow, that can be, that's applicable to so many social interactions. Mm -hmm. And so, so instead of just feeling awkward and not knowing what to say, I think it's safe to ask somebody, you know, what do you need from me in this moment? Yeah. And because in the moment, you know, you just don't know what that person may need. Mm -hmm. They can need maybe $20. They can need a, just a hug, like you said. They can need mm -hmm. just a, a, a shoulder for them to cry on. They can, you know, oh, I need you to go. Maybe I need you to go. Uh, pick up some medicine for me like they're mm -hmm. so in those moments there's you just don't know what a moment may be for each person so mm -hmm. that's a really 
question to ask a person that is going through a chronic illness, especially. For sure. And especially right now in this time that we're in right now with, you know, the whole pandemic and COVID and everything going on. What do you need from me in this moment? Because, you know, there's so much stress on each person's life. It's like, what do you need from me in this moment? Maybe that moment they're needing some help with filling out some job applications <laughs> or maybe in this moment they're in need of you know who can I contact because I need some work done on my house or you know you just never know like I said what is needed for that person in the moment and that's a really good question I really like that and I'm gonna do my best to remember it and jot it down <laughs> that's a good one yeah, me too. I'm going to try and remember it. We'll see how successful <laughs> I am, but. <laughs> with, the, with the loopy brain. <laughs> oh, somebody said to me, uh, when you have a baby. Yes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to, I was just going to ask, ask you because then they say, you know, mom brain and now it's like mom brain and lupus brain. So how do you adjust to all of that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I've, I'm used to forgetting things. Yeah. Uh, looking like, you know, somebody can have a conversation with me and I will have this look on my face like, where am I and how did I get here? And, you know, I'm just used to that. <laughs> yes, I, I, I can agree with you. It's like, I'm used to it. I had my... Before I got diagnosed with lupus, I had had my son uh, about three years before I got diagnosed with lupus. So it was like, Mm -hmm. I'm already used to forgetting things, but then Mm -hmm. lupus brain, it was like, it it was like five times more that I forgot things. So it was like, and now my sister's like, well, you with your loopy brain, you're always forgetting stuff. And I'm like, thank you. I don't need you to bring it up. I know I have. (laughs) lupus brain okay thank you so very it's enough with me to deal with thank you (laughs) I have I too have sisters and that is definitely a sister comment (laughs) siblings are are the first ones to point out your flaws they'll be like wow your forehead looks extra large today and then it's like because now because it's like yeah siblings are the first ones to point out your flaws but then it's like now I think I'm a little bit more sensitive to you pointing out my flaws because now it's something that I can't (laughs) help so please stop pointing out my flaws to me because I already know that they're a huge flaw and right now it's not the moment because I am too emotional all right so Mm -hmm. let's leave that alone (laughs) let's not talk about it let's yeah it's like that's not a good time no no (laughs) and I think that's what 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 it was for me yesterday because I got a new printer so I got a new printer and the printer for some reason nothing was working and usually I'm really good with technical stuff like anything that needs to be done with you know computer phone uh, laptop, TV, anything 
electronical. I'm good at. But mm -hmm. this printer has been driving me crazy. And I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. I called HP and I literally was on the phone with them for hours trying to figure out. They were trying to help me figure out. I was figuring out on my end, like having my computer open, sitting next to the printer. And then my sister comes home and she's like, you're forgetting all these, these passwords, you and your loopy brain. And I have like a whole breakdown boiling moment. And yeah, it was bad. And it's Aww. like, <laughs> you don't know what I went through all day dealing with HP, trying to figure out this printer because it's like, the printer is good because it's a fax machine. It's a copier. The printer, you know, mm -hmm. I, you have stuff to print off. I have stuff to copy. My son, he's in school. I have stuff to fax off, you know, different doctor's appointments and things like that. So I'm trying to figure this all out. And then they say, well, ma'am, you have to contact your internet provider because then the printer only goes off of 2.4 gigahertz and you have a five gigahertz and I'm like oh my gosh my brain is on overload right now <laughs> and my uh. sister doesn't make it any better and it was just bad it was just bad I cannot <laughs> imagine that made you feel good at all either no and it's like it's, it's, it was like no I don't feel good I'm already frustrated because I want to figure this out and I and I have stuff that I need to fax off so it's like I'm thinking okay I can do this maybe within a day and figure it out no now it has to be like a two-day process and literally the guy was supposed to call me back today and he hasn't called me back <laughs> so oh. I'm like now I'm like thanks you didn't make me feel any better with my loopy brain thank you so much yeah. sis <laughs> she's probably listening to this too <laughs> so I there we go so I'm telling the social media world about you sister I'm not gonna put your name out there but yeah <laughs> <laughs> she is <laughs> But yeah, it's like, please don't rub it in. Don't make it any worse. I already feel worse because I can't remember half the stuff anyways. And it's literally like I made the password. I had reset the password yesterday. And then my sister came home like a few hours later. And it's like, why did I forget this? I just reset it. Why? I and, I and I usually make it for something that's easy for me to remember. And I'm like, I know that's what I put it to. I know that's the password that I use. <laughs> so, and then the whole house, because we're all using the same Wi-Fi and the computer, like the TVs and everything are, you know, connected to the Wi-Fi. So it's like I had, we had to re-enter the password into almost everything. And it's like, I know, mm -hmm. I know, please. Please. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Siblings. <laughs> siblings, yes. You love them. They drive you crazy. And it's like, don't talk to me for a day or two. And then we'll uh -huh. be back on in probably a few more hours. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Lupus in 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 life's journey. 
It's amazing. <laughs> it is because it takes you through so much. And it's like, you don't always dwell on the bad things. You can, you can laugh, laugh in it and, you know, be grateful in it because then it teaches you something different. Now you have to go about doing things in a different way. Maybe that you didn't know how to do before. And now because you have lupus or your chronic illness, now you can go about taking this route that maybe you weren't confident about taking before. And now you mm-hmm. have no choice but to take it. So it's like, okay, we could do this. I can laugh through it. I can enjoy <laughs> enjoy this new journey. It isn't all uh, crying and, uh, you know, depression and all sadness it can be joyous times too because it's something new it's something different you might have to push yourself out of some different comfort zones and you might learn a few different things about yourself as well that is very true and one of the one of the most recent things that it maybe it pushed me out of my comfort zone I would have never if you had told me like five years ago that I, that I would be a certified wellness coach today. I wouldn't believe you. Really? And, oh yeah. I, I completely uprooted my life and mm. I would have never expected that to happen. But thankfully I went about it in the right way and mm-hmm. I've gained so much perspective and compassion and I've always had a good sense of humor but my humor has just gotten has just grown like here's a good example Uh the other day my (laughs) daughter was crying and Uh my husband said you know she was in her bouncer and my husband was on the other side of the couch and he said can you get her binky and he was he was he picked her up He went from the side of the couch, picked her up and sat down with her on the couch. He said, can you hand me her binky? And Mm -hmm. I literally was so tired and did not feel good that day that I Mm -hmm. went to put the binky in his mouth, not hers. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. (laughs) And I stopped. I the feeling of just your body overtook like the thinking of putting it in the baby and you just the first human being that you just saw right there <laughs> in the moment okay husband there you go you got the binky <laughs> yeah and we just kind of we both stopped talking looked at each other and just burst out laughing <laughs> I mean there are times where That's I would funny. love to put a binky in his mouth when he's talking um but that was not one of those times <laughs> That's what, that was a <laughs> and then that's, you know the, the lovely uh journey of marriage <laughs> oh yeah oh, that's for sure so funny. oh man and how has that been like just your journey like you said you met your husband while you were in college and then you know him him helping you figure out let's get your health under the control Like, was he always, you know, that supportive, you know, sticking behind you through it all? Like, how, how did that go about with your journey with lupus and your husband? I I have 
never met a more wonderful person in all of my life. Uh, My husband is one of the most incredible people I think probably that I will ever meet. He's a very motivated, driven, charismatic, empathetic person. He, uh, he was the one that honestly, he's the person that's always believed in me, will always believe, believe in me. And I don't know what I ever did to deserve him, but I am just so (laughs) grateful because he has, he has just been my, for a lack of better, you know, word, Mm -hmm. he has been my rock through all of this. And he's the one that encouraged me to continue he encouraged me to be persistent, especially with, you know, doctors. He encouraged mm-hmm. me to be persistent with trying different things to help myself. Mm-hmm. He's just always been very supportive. And if I, if I don't feel good, he'll say, you know what, just go lay down. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't, if I'm having a rough day, he's there to listen to me. So I was going through a lot. I was actually going through going to therapy for something completely different mm-hmm. than my chronic illness whenever I was diagnosed. And he was the one that just encouraged me to keep going and told me, you know, you've got this. It's rough, but I'm here with you. But the thing is, that's another aspect to chronic illness is that you don't a lot of people from the outside don't realize just how much it impacts somebody's partner or you know, their family members, Mm -hmm. chronic illness has, it's broken him down as well. I know that there have been many times where he's been extremely worried about me and that Mm -hmm. takes a toll on him. Not only does it take a toll on me, it takes a toll on him. Yeah. Because then he's worried and stressed out because he's like, mm -hmm. what's, what's going to happen? How does this look for you? For not just her, but then me too, because you know you guys are are one. You know that that's your life partner, that's your husband, that's your like you said, your better half. So mm-hmm. your worries are his worries. Yeah, and even even my my mother and my mother in law. My mother in law is almost she's she's like a, another mother to me. I'm so mm-hmm. we actually live next door to my in laws. Our houses are connected by a footpath. I, oh, wow. yeah, my mother-in-law is one of my best friends and, um, I just saw the toll that it took on, you know, my mother-in-law and my mother, they were constantly worried about me, didn't know. And even when I was pregnant, because, you know, pregnancy and lupus can look very, very scary, mm-hmm. very daunting. You just don't know what the outcome is going to be. And, mm-hmm. um, both my mother-in-law and my mother were constantly worried about me. My husband was constantly worried about me. So it just, chronic illness takes a huge toll on everybody, but especially the people that you're closest to because they don't want anything to happen to you. Mm -hmm. But my husband was really strong and, and it still is. And it's just always just so supportive. So I feel very blessed that he's, He's so considerate. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's wonderful. And, and it's always good to have, you know, your loved ones and your, your partner, your husband or your wife to be someone that you can always know that they're going to be there for you, push you 
push you to look after your own health and then to help you look after your own health. So that is, that's wonderful. Uh, thank you to your husband, who's <laughs> been <Yes>. awesome and <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and you guys raising your baby. And yeah. like you said, uh, lupus and pregnancy is, is like a huge worry as well you know something that's so daunting for any woman that has lupus is because then you're worried about how how do I go through the journey of lupus and pregnancy possibly getting pregnant wanting to get pregnant then being pregnant and then what medicines I can take what medicines I can't take you know Mm -hmm. all of that and how was that process for you it was uh, scary. I, yeah. I just, I didn't know going into it. I do feel doctors have to tell you certain things to cover, mm-hmm. cover their butts in the event that they didn't tell you something and then you mm-hmm. could sue them. So I completely understand that side of things. They have to tell you anything mm-hmm. that could go wrong because you know, they don't want to be held liable. But I do, even though I tried to be positive going into pregnancy, I did feel like I fixated on all the things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. But, and I've, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I was really surprised that I had the perfect pregnancy because <laughs> my health is such, so crappy on any given day <laughs> that I thought, all right, I was pretty pessimistic about it at first. I was like, all right, as soon as I get pregnant, my, my left arm is going to fall off. Um, everything that could go wrong oh is going to go wrong. But honestly, it, it truly it was. Did the easiest thing for me and (laughs) yes uh as my sister would say spreading blessings um (laughs) (laughs) I uh as soon as I got pregnant my I thought I was going to be one of those people I was told that your symptoms could be dormant while you're pregnant because your body is more focused on the baby than it is on, you know, your immune system attacking Mm -hmm. itself or -hmm. attacking your body. So, um, I thought for sure I was going to be one of those people that did not have that experience, but I did have that experience where my body, uh, kind of gave me a break and I felt like a normal person, which was, Mm. I consider it a gift because, I've never felt that good in all my life. Even in my first trimester, I didn't feel nauseous. I didn't have any extra weird symptoms. And even Mm. my labor and delivery, so I had to be induced at 39 weeks. And even my labor and delivery went perfectly. And even like the postpartum, it, it wasn't easy, but it was a bit easier than I expected it to be. Now I did have a flare up Mm -hmm. soon. I would say probably three, four weeks. So about a month after I gave birth. And that was really rough because, you know, your nether regions are healing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your body is, (laughs) your, your mind is all over the place because of these hormones leaving your body Mm -hmm. and all of the things that would normally, you know, you would have to deal with when you give birth. But Mm -hmm. 
about a month after I gave birth, I, it was really hard for me to walk. My knees were killing me. My joints Mm -hmm. were achy. I would have headaches, but I have an amazing amount of support. As I said, you know, my mother-in-law and father-in-law live next door. Mm -hmm. So my mother-in-law is here several times a week so I can get a nap. Um, My husband is a business owner, so he has a bit bit of a flexible schedule so he can help me out more than say somebody who has you know a a normal yeah yeah um so I feel very blessed that my circumstance has been you know has gone the way Mm -hmm. it has gone and Mm -hmm. I do realize that there are so many people that don't have that circumstance you know don't have that experience and that just makes me want to help those people more and and that that is just awesome you know make that you have the support that you need just to help you get through those moments and that that's just wonderful that you had your mother-in-law your husband who like you said had such a flexible you know schedule that it just helped you not to say that it was you know, the easiest thing, but it was easier to manage and to mm-hmm. get through those moments. Definitely. Because if I didn't so have, like my husband will gladly in the middle of the night, you know, our daughter is only waking up once in the night now and she sleeps oh, wow. for the most part. Yeah. I, like I said, she is a, she's a little angel baby. Uh, <laughs> she, um, He'll wake up in the middle of the night and feed her. He doesn't have to, but he does does that to help me out. As I said, I don't know what I did to deserve him. He's just, (laughs) he's too good for me. (laughs) (laughs) You funny, he's too good for you. (laughs) But you balance each other out just, just right. So, you know, that's, that's all that matters. That's what counts. And, you know, I'm sure he'll probably say the same thing about you. You know, what did I do to deserve her? You know, even though she goes through so much, what did I do to deserve her? So that is, you know, totally wonderful and awesome. I do. I do. I like to remind him of how wonderful I am. I'm like, you do realize how cool I am, right? Such a wonderful (laughs) wife that you are. And, (laughs) you know, you get beauty, you know, full package. That's right. <laughs> well, Pamela, I have to say thank you so much for coming onto this show. It has been a really awesome show. We talked about so, so much. I think we talked about more than what I had planned in my mind, although I don't like have like a notebook or agenda of what, you know, the points that I wanted to talk about. We just still talked about so much that was, I'm sure, so needed, you know, health-wise, just an open talk, you know, some parts that may have seemed, you know, kind of somber, but we still made sure that it was motivational, you know, we are still thriving, we're still winning, we're still getting through this, you know, we do not, you know, we all have our bad days, but you know what, 
the good days always outweigh the bad days. So we are still grateful for, you know, the journey that we've been in. And I thank you for coming onto the show today. I'm really grateful that, you know, we connected and, you know, met through Instagram. And, you know, it's been a pleasure with talking to you. And I thank you for coming onto the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, likewise, I honestly, I feel like it's me who should be saying thank you. I just feel so honored <laughs> that you asked me to join you for this conversation. And I am just so excited that I made a new friend. And yes, me too. Uh, I just, you know, I appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, I honestly had you. so much fun. I could talk to you Good. for hours. <laughs> <laughs> me too. And that's what, and people always ask me, they're like, do you have any questions for me? And I'm like, no, because I want to make sure that it's very, you know, candid, kind of open. There's no, you know, structure to it because with talking about chronic illnesses or anything that you're going through in your life, you know, you deal with so much. So how can I make such a structured a podcast on, you know, life's journey as we all battle with our chronic illnesses and for us mm-hmm. battling with lupus. So I, I, I really enjoyed our show. I'm sure that I'm going to have you on my show at an, another time in the future because I'm planning for this to go as long as possible and to reach all over the world and you know we'll probably be in different <laughs> different stages and different chapters of our life by then uh, so I, I can't wait to continuously you know keep talking to you and you know seeing baby keep growing up and growing into <laughs> as my son is eight <laughs> so no. I can't wait to see how when she's like that <laughs> so thank, thank, you. thank you thank you so much you're welcome and before I let you off one thing that I do like to ask three things that you are grateful for it's crazy that you said that because I do that all the time. I ask people <laughs> to tell me three things they're grateful for. I am grateful for oh, baby giggles. My daughter is just starting to um, laugh. It's, it seems her laugh seems to be evolving as each day goes on. Yes. So I'm just really thankful that, you know, I get to experience that. I love being able to experience her growing and changing Mm -hmm. every day so I love those little laughs uh Mm -hmm. new plants I found a plant and a live plant yesterday at Target and I put it on our tv stand and I can't stop staring at it it is just so pretty it is a I think it said blue blue something fern Mm -hmm. can't remember what the exact name is but it's gorgeous so plants just you know they revive me I love looking at them And the last thing is conversations like this. One of, one of the positives of, you know, being a part of a community that you didn't ask to be a part of is the Mm -hmm. connections that you make with other people who get you, they get your, your, the intricacies of the everyday life of living with a chronic illness and Mm -hmm. it makes you feel a little less like lonely yeah out in space Mm -hmm. there are little stars around you 
<laughs> they might be just a little a little far but you know they're still within reach some type of way <laughs> that's right what three uh, things I are like you thankful one. for um connections social uh friendships <laughs> i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for my family um you know like you said the support that you know, they're, they're, they're here, you know, although they drive you crazy and, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes can, you know, make you feel bad about yourself, but (laughs) they are still here. Nonetheless, you know, they're the people that won't give up on you at all. And, you know, they'll see you cry. They'll see you happy. And, you know, they're right there pushing you through every moment. So I'm thankful for my family and, Lastly, I'm thankful for God because, you know, he allows me to wake up every day with breath in my lungs and, you know, starting me on my way. So I'm just thankful to him for everyday life living. And, you know, I'm grateful that I'm here to make these connections and he allows me to meet people like you and, you know, just having this community of people to talk to. So those are the three things that I'm grateful for. I love that. Without him, we wouldn't be here. Yes. <laughs> Without so him, I just, I, I love that. Yes. So yes, I am grateful for that for sure. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone who has tuned in to the show. It was a good long show, but we talked about so much. So thank you again, Pamela, for coming on and chatting with me about thank our you. lupus journey and your lupus journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. I'll talk with you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.